0: This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. The nonprofit Partners in Care offers hospice, palliative, and home care over a huge swath of central Oregon. It's done so for 40 years. In 2004, it started a new program called Transitions to help people who otherwise might fall through the cracks of health care a healthcare system that is full of cracks. Earlier this month, the Transitions team was honored for its work at a ceremony at Deschutes County Health Services. Bethany Benefield leads the Transitions team. Maureen Dooley is the marketing and communications manager for the larger nonprofit, and they both join me now. It's great to have you both on the show.
1: Thanks for having us, us. Dave.
0: Maureen, can you give us a sense for the range of services that you provide at Partners in Care?
1: Absolutely. And, and thanks again for having us on your show, Dave. Uh, as you said um, in the intro, Partners in Care is a nonprofit. And for over 40 years, we've been providing what we like to call post-acute care. And you can think of that, you know, if, if someone is in the hospital or they have a serious illness or they're diagnosed with cancer, we can provide the care here at Partners in Care to support them as they navigate that serious illness as well as through end of life. And so a lot of people think of Partners in Care and they think that we are just a hospice care organization. but we are so much more than that and we really support people as they experience these changes in life and they are diagnosed with serious illness where we can step in and we can work with them and we can work with their primary care or specialty physicians and we support them through that process navigating resources getting that medical care with uh, palliative care with home health care than with hospice care and our inpatient hospice unit here in Bend as well. So we provide a variety of services to the community and we give back to the community. And one of those programs that we do is our transitions program.
0: Bethany Benefield, you run that. What is a transitions program?
1: Yeah, so
2: the Partners in Care Transitions program is a no cost non-medical program. Um, with five full-time coordinators, and we're helping medically fragile individuals. They tend to be medically fragile seniors. Um, We help them navigate available resources in the Central Oregon community and what also is available in the state of Oregon. Um, We can be involved with our clients years before an individual enrolls onto hospice for end-of-life care, so we really get to establish relationships further upstream and be um, a source of continuity for them and help them navigate. Navigate their options.
0: Can you give us a sense for just, uh, you know, the story of uh, maybe the average? Maybe there's no such thing as an average patient, but just a representative (laughs) one. What what your clients are dealing with and how you approach their needs?
2: Yeah. You're right. There's not an average. We have so many different individuals that we get to meet throughout um, that I've been able to meet throughout my years as a transitions coordinators. Um, We have individuals who sometimes don't have anyone else checking in on them. Um, They aren't able to figure out how to set up brides to get to medical appointments, or they don't know that they can get meals on wheels delivered to their home. They don't have anybody advocating for them or saying, this is what's available, um, or let's figure out if you can have financial assistance for XYZ. Um, And then other times we have individuals who have a wealth of support from their family, from the community. Um, They have the means to to pay for additional caregiving support, um, but they really just want to have the connection to the transitions coordinator as they're um, as they become more medically fragile, as there are changes in their health, maybe they're in and out of the hospital, and it's just really overwhelming. And they want to have somebody within the healthcare system to help clarify who does what, who pays for what, what should I expect, when when should we have hospice come in, um, and and just I say I like to try to take the guessing out of the game for all of the people that I'm meeting
0: with. Hmm. Maureen Dooley, how big an area do you serve?
1: Partners in Care covers about a t- ten thousand square mile area. It's a uh, it, it's pretty large, and if you think about Central Oregon, um, we cover Madras, Prineville, uh, out through Sisters, down through Redmond, Bend, uh, Lapine, Gilchrist, and way out to Christmas Valley and Fort Rock. So we have you know, over 200 staff members across all of those service lines that are driving across uh, the 10,000 square mile area that we cover in Central Oregon every day. And we also have about 150 volunteers who also support our team all over Central Oregon Um, And our team, you know, providing that medical care, providing that resource navigation as well with the transitions coordinators. And so it's a pretty big area. Um, Central Oregon is obviously uh, pretty rural in most of it. So we're covering a large area and we are working with, you know, people from all walks of life, people from all backgrounds, different housing situations. Um, And so, you know, but it's important for us to be there because a lot of times these people in these rural areas, may not have someone to turn to and so for our transitions team they may be the only people that they're interacting with providing that really critical support during a difficult time
0: hmm. i mean bethany it it almost sounds like what you're responding to isn't just a breakdown of the social safety net but in some cases a breakdown just of mm-hmm. of social connections i mean if if you're the the only person that's there to to talk to people to help them. I mean, it, that's that's evidence that that something in society has really failed.
2: Did somebody tell you that was my passion, Dave?
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's just. Um, I mean, I, I'm just imagining because it, we're not we're not just talking about you know diabetes medication. We're talking about somebody who who doesn't have anybody in their world, right?
2: Right. Um, I think, you know, this is my personal opinion, like we live in an increasingly individualized society, Um, but, and, and maybe that works for the majority of our lives, but there comes a point, um, there, there are certain things that you just can't do alone. Um, There, the, the mentality of it takes a village. Um, It still takes a village at the end of life. And um, I don't know that it's the the most glamorous thing in society to wonder, gee, who who can seniors turn to? Um, who who's helping them figure out what might be the best fit for their needs? Um, it's not. It's not the campaigns that you see around, um, but they're often the, the forgotten members of our society. Um, and I just feel really strongly that they still have a right to dignity and to services and to information that isn't a sales pitch um, and to someone listening to a voicemail and saying, oh, that sounds like a scam. Maybe don't call them back. Um, and, and just meeting them where they're at and um, helping them feel less isolated. And, and giving them the information to be empowered, to still be in charge of their own care decisions, um, their own life, because you know, oftentimes people are like, well, they just need to do this, 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 but I, if that's not what they want to do for themselves, then they still have the right to determine um, what's important to them, what gives them quality of life, what's meaningful.
0: Hmm. Bethany, has the housing crisis affected your work?
2: It absolutely has. Um, We have, um, like I said, we meet with a wide variety of individuals, and sometimes it's in a gated community, and sometimes it's in an affordable housing complex, um, and sometimes it's down a dirt road off the grid, and um, they don't have access to electricity or running water, and um, it becomes increasingly more difficult to get services to them because stable housing is often kind of the Base of what is required for at least medical services to be provided, um, there you know for wound care and home health, there needs to be access to running water, um, and and so it's it's hard to, uh, especially if they don't. Um, want to participate in programs that are supposed to help them because they've had poor um, experiences with them before, it's still very difficult to um, figure out what we can plug in, how we can best support them while still honoring their wishes. And then the resources sometimes just aren't there. Um, like Maureen was saying, we, resources that are in Sisters are going to be different than what's in Fort Rock and Gilcrest and Prineville. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's like... We try not to be Bend-centric because there's a wealth of resources in Bend itself, but you can drive 30 minutes and then there may not be any other options for those people living in the more rural areas of Central Oregon.
0: Hmm. How much do you feel like you have to try to convince people who did have negative experiences with <laughs> with healthcare in the past to to trust you?
2: I I try to listen a lot i try to um, build a relationship a trust relationship with those individuals and um, it may not be within weeks or months that we have any forward motion on them being comfortable with medical interventions or you know just establishing with a primary care provider Um, oftentimes when it's explained the barriers to their care always loop back to their resistance to following through on medical support. Um, but just having somebody there with no agenda other than supporting them with accurate information and unbiased um, guidance, I can I can meet with people for a long time before there's any forward motion, but that's part of it because you're meeting them where they're at in whatever season and whatever mindset they have. And you have to be comfortable with, being in uncomfortable situations and being present with those individuals um, and helping them feel seen and heard and validated—that's um, that's a big part of it.
0: Hmm. Maureen, Bethany mentioned earlier that that she and, and and other people who work for the transitions team can can be there to help um, clients um, realize what's a sales pitch, what's what's real, what's not. It reminded me that uh, last year, The New Yorker and ProPublica, they reported that hospice, which began, in their words, as a visionary notion that patients could die with dignity at home, has now become a $22 billion industry that they say is plagued by exploitation and uh, and Medicaid fraud. How different do you think your operations or the services that you offer would be if you were a for-profit entity? Oh, it's I really wouldn't have a job. You said, Bethany, you wouldn't have a job?
2: Yeah, no, I don't. We don't generate, our, the transitions program doesn't generate any direct profit. This is, you know, supported by our donors and we're not charging for these services. There's just, there's no, the money isn't there. It doesn't actually make profitable sense. And so it it wouldn't exist in a for-profit setting.
0: Hmm. More yeah, it's, a,
1: it's an interesting question. Um, and like Bethany said, we we offer services at Partners in Care that aren't necessarily profitable. Um, but we do them because we were uh, started in this community. Um, we are a nonprofit organization. And so a lot of the services and a lot of the things that we do, we do them because it is the right thing to do. And because we recognize a gap in the community and we are trying to fill that gap and fill that need and transitions is one of those programs. As Bethany said, we're paying five transitions coordinators right now and this program does not bring in a cent for our organization. And we are grateful for all the people who donate so that we can continue to provide this necessary service. But if we were a for-profit organization, we May not have the ability to do programs like this because they are not earning
0: money for us.
1: And when you say money, so
0: you you can't even get Medicaid reimbursement?
2: No, not for transitions.
0: Okay. Um, Bethany, has this job, (laughs) maybe this question is too big, but I'm going to ask it anyway, (laughs) has it given you insights into what a better version of an American healthcare system would look like?
2: Oh, yeah, that's not a a heavy loaded question at all. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. I do think, I mean, kind of tagging off of what Maureen said, where the, um, I mean, people have to make money and they have to, you know, pay their own bills and have their own housing and feed themselves. Um, But the focus on profit in the American healthcare system is. I think, taking away from the patients and community needs. And I don't think that it's evil, um, but there's, there's just a better way, like, you know, the Partners in Care Board continually... Seeing that the right thing to do is support the transitions program that brings in no money whatsoever, but we're supporting people and their overall experience—the um, last months to years of their lives—are just so greatly improved. Um, they feel cared for, and that's the goal, right? For healthcare is to help people feel cared for. Um, and so, when it's when it's a bottom dollar, um, I you know I might get scolded by finance for talking about this but um i just when the focus is on the money and not the people um when it's a system surra- created to serve people in really vulnerable vulnerable situations um it's just i the disconnect is is obvious
1: <laughs> yeah and Uh-oh. dave um if please. i can add really
0: if i yeah, can we add have really one minute quick. left please
1: yeah the hospice was originally founded Um, through volunteers and hospice was founded originally with the notion to really care for people and give them dignity at the end of their life. And that's what partners in care does every day. Um, And programs like transitions provide that dignity upstream for people. And like Bethany said, they, they feel listened to, they feel cared for, and it may give them the ability to trust an organization to provide that medical care for them during the critical times at the end of their life.
0: Maureen Dooley and Bethany Benefield, thanks very much. Thanks so much, Dave. Thank
1: you, Dave.
0: Maureen Dooley is marketing and communications manager at the nonprofit Partners in Care. Bethany Benefield leads the transitions team there. Tomorrow on the show, after the end of Roe v. Wade last year, the incoming president of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists will be taking over the national organization at a critical time. She also happens to be a doctor in Hillsboro. We'll sit down with her on the next Think Out Loud. Our production staff includes Elizabeth Castillo, Rolly Hernandez, Gemma Carlo, senior producer Alison Frost, and managing producer Shiraz Sadiq, Naline Silva engineers the show, our technical director is Stephen Cray, and our esteemed executive producer is Sage Van Wing. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on NPR's app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation.